Welcome to The Jump Around, my podcast on the people in and around women's basketball and what makes them them. I'm Blake Dudonis. Today is episode one of a multi-episode series where I talk with the biggest and best names in broadcasting around the women's game. Today it's ESPN analyst Brooke Weisbrod, a longtime analyst and former college player herself. We'll talk to Brooke about her career playing-wise and broadcasting-wise. We'll also discuss some other things in her life. She's got a nonprofit. She used to do some WNBA broadcasting. She's doing a lot of stuff with WNBA kicks. So we'll discuss all of that and more with Brooke here on The Jump Around. So Brooke Weisbrod joining me as promised, ESPN college basketball analyst. Brooke, thanks so much for taking the time first off to hop on here with me. Um, for you, um, and I've, I've told everyone else, but you're you're kind of the first of um, several women's basketball broadcasters that we're bringing on to to kind of highlight and because people see you, they hear you on, on these broadcasts, but they don't exactly know you and. Uh, I think it's so appropriate. You can't hear it, but your your intro song is um, "Damn It Feels Good to Be a Gangster," and I feel like when I see you, like you just give off this like you're like you're like you're just like a badass. Like I don't know, you just got this vibe about you. And so I want to go back to the very beginning though, before before everything. Uh, you played three sports in college. That's actually insane. Uh, I, I like to keep myself busy. I guess is how I can best describe that and it's funny to think about going to school down south where you're basically right by a beach and here I was no let me get in the gym let me get on the tennis court you know let me get on the softball field um I just I love to play sports so much and so that was um you know it was such a big part of my childhood it was it was a big part of my high school days and then when I got to college um I actually went to Coastal Carolina on a softball scholarship uh, because basketball didn't have any money, and it was really late. It was it was May, um, so when I found out the basketball uh, program they didn't have any scholarships left, I said, "Well, can I play another sport, or can I submit a tape?" And you know, my my mom and I went out with my high school coach, and we made we made a softball tape and <laughs> sent it and. And the rest is history. So however you got to get somewhere, you know, you find a door. But I, I had to get out of state, and I was like, go to school on the beach? Yes, please. <laughs> well, it worked out okay. You, you ended up being the Big South Player of the Year, and you recently were inducted to the Big South Hall of Fame. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it was great. My whole family got to come down last June, and it was our first time at Hilton Head. I've never been there and, like, heard such amazing things about it. So um, it was it was uh, great to look back and look at a lot of the um, the same people who were working in the conference when I was there. Kyle Kalander was uh, the president of the Big South organization back then, and he's you know he's still there. So looking at at kind of family, you know, and my coach was there, and we had a picture. Um, I had my mom take a picture of us side by side, and so I could post it because we had a picture of us in '98, and then a picture of us in 2018. And it was it's just so surreal, um, you know, when you think about um, how much your relationships with people matter and that you can go back and revisit those times and 
and look and, and say like thank you so much to my family for everything they sacrificed and how much time you know they had to be at my games and and just being supportive of me so it's like I look back and I, those are the things I'm, I'm really grateful for the accolades are are also amazing but you know you, you just don't get somewhere by yourself it takes a lot of people you know to be in the gym with you and to listen to you when you when you cry when you have a bad game or you miss a game winning shot or you know I, I'm very honored to uh to have the intro music I did <laughs> thank you <laughs> but um yeah you know there's there's a lot of times where you know the, the insecurities of life like really really take over and um when you have some family and great coaches and great people in your life that can call you every day and believe in you and and just stick with you um you know, that's what really makes a difference. It's not like, you know, you don't walk on the court averaging 20 points a game. It takes right. a long time to get there. Sure. Well, interesting you use the word insecurity because, you know, after you graduate, you go to play professionally in Germany. And a couple of weeks prior, you get in a accident on the water, end up hurting your back, go to Germany, career cut short due to that injury. When you're heading back home, was there, to use the word again, was there any insecurity going, well, now what? Yeah, there was a lot. Um, you know, it's, it's, I know like a lot of people are opening up about um, mental health, and I think that's really amazing because it's, it can be a, a really private, um, heavy topic, and you don't want to be a burden on to other people, and you don't want to unload all this negative energy because um, you try really hard in sports to stay positive and, you know, to, to always have this motivation of, of you know, I'm going to try my hardest. And, you know, sometimes it's like your whole world just catches up with you. Mm-hmm. But what I felt at that time was I lost my identity. I, I went from being an athlete to um, people always asking you about your games and engaging you in conversations and that's who you are and that's what you've been for such a long time and all of a sudden you got to start over and who, who are you being now who do you want to be um and that's really scary because you have you have to create it um so i would say when i moved to chicago um i got a job in advertising and i thought okay you know this is cool i really like commercials i wanted to make commercials and, and, and that was not the job that i had um, so, so sitting at a desk, uh, looking at paperwork, when your other job just a few months ago was um, traveling the world and playing basketball, was like, um, no, this, this is not going to work. <laughs> it's not going to work <laughs> at all. And, you know, there's no shame in that. It's just for me, um, I, I have to move. I have to stay active. And um, when, I, when I sit still sometimes for too long, especially if it's like in front of a computer, I don't know. It, it doesn't feel like that's what I'm meant to do. I'm meant to be. Like I, I need to be around people. I need to be out and, and involved in sports in some way. So, so getting into broadcasting as small steps as it was in the beginning was kind of life saving, to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, I was going to say it, it's not as if, and we see plenty of it now, where former athletes retire or, or whatever, and then you know, a year or two later, they're in broadcasting. Not the case for you. You kind of had a, uh, a a winding journey before you got there, right? I did, before I got to Chicago? Yeah, before you got into actual broadcasting, like, full-time, that's your career. Mm, oh, yes, yes, I did. So so I had, you know, my first job here was in advertising, and then 
I decided I wanted to get into sales. So I was, I was selling radio advertising. Then I was, uh, <laughs> was actually in scrap metal recycling, which is a very interesting industry. Fantastic. And I learned a ton about metal. Um, you know, I have this like weird knowledge of metal going back, <laughs> you know, 10, 15 years. Um, so I went from that and then uh, selling, also kind of staying in the metal industry, steel and stainless steel and aluminum. Uh, so I visit, visit factories and places where, you know, you're making refrigerator parts or auto parts, um, you know, steel wire, just anything you can imagine. And then on the weekends, I was flying to cover basketball games. So it was, um, it was a seven-day-a-week gig for, for quite a few years. And I, I say this because it w- I wouldn't have done it myself, but getting laid off in 2012 really put me in another place to say, okay, do you want to try to go do this broadcasting, you know, your, your career, your dream, um, your, your, the thing that makes your heart really full? This is your chance to go after that full time. And I'm glad that that happened. Um, and, and if that took, you know, another sort of like bout of courage to, to get over the doubts that I had that, you know, maybe I'm not good enough to make it full time. But, but I think that I am. Yeah. You know, I, I really love it and I, and I love to learn. I love to get better, so how can I do this as my job? And just enough blessings came my way to do a lot of freelance work from 2012 to 2016, and then um, full time with ESPN since 2016. And uh, you know, I hope I hope that continues. Yeah. It's been great. Yeah. I promise I'll move on to, to happier topics uh, here in a minute, but I just want to ask. I think you're I mean, good. Yeah. Well, I, I think yeah. it's I think it's important because. You know, so often people see, you know, yourself or whoever they're aspiring to be, they see you and they just go, oh, man, like they've got it so good. And I think it's important to remind people like, hey, like, you know, we had a journey, too. Um, So now that you are with ESPN, you are you've kind of you've reached where you're where you've wanted to go for the most part. Do you still have those those doubts? Do you still wonder sometimes, like, am I good enough or has that kind of dissipated over time? Uh, I think that I'm good. At, I belong. Like I think mm. I'm I'm good enough um, to to be lucky enough to have this kind of job because yeah. it's really just just having a passion for the game. And what I love to do is to soak up that energy that's going on right in front of me and, and tell that story. So I think I do belong. And it, and it's taken, you know, it, it's taken a a lot of outside get out of your comfort zone type situations. Um, and you always have to, to be prepared. Like I think being prepared really helps with fear and anxiety Sure. because when you, when you've done your homework, you know, the best thing you can do is, is show up because you really don't know how the games are going to go. You don't know how people are going to react to your questions. Um, you don't know if you're going to, um, you know, anything literally could happen. Um, your mic could go out. You could not hear your producer. Um, so you, you just have to be able to roll with the punches. Um, uh, but I think there's, uh, you know, there's always times where um, the nerves, not, not nerves as in you're, you're scared, but just the excitement of what's going on in the arena and how can I capture this the best way? What is the story that I can help tell people at home? What can they learn from what's going on and, and the personalities of the players? And, you know, they're the ones that are out there putting it on the line. It's our job to to find out what what that's about and what they believe in and, and 
why they're playing and what their why is and so that we can share that with people at home and say, hey, look, they're not, you know, not just, they're more than athletes. Yep. They're not just basketball players. Yeah, for sure. Well, all right, let's let's move on. Happy topics. Um, can you can you tell me? Do you have one, and maybe you don't, but do you have a most memorable game that you've called? I know you've done a ton uh, over time, but is is there one or, or a few that stand out above the others? Yeah, I think some of the uh, some of the championships. You know, when we get into March, are incredible, right? Like the America East Championship, Stony Brook. There's Jamil Warney who. You know, chose Stony Brook because it was an international school, and he wanted to learn about as many cultures as he could. Hmm. And ended up having a monster game. Fans rushed the court. I'm in the middle of all that. I'm <laughs> trying to find him. You know, he's, and he's, he's like, I got to fight through the crowd to go interview him. And his passion, and he's you know sweaty. It's after the game, and it's like you can't think of a of a more exciting time to be at than than a sharing a player's joy and, and be able to like make that happen and, and just just make give him a voice. You know, you got the microphone there and like you can ask the questions that elicit, you know, the great answers. Like that's yeah, a lot of power. For sure. Um and, and it's you know, it's, I'm so grateful to to be able to do that because it's just wow, you know, it's you watch it from home and you can feel the energy back there too. It's you know, something our our team and so many so many broadcasters do so well. I have so many respect, so much respect for them who can you know, tell those stories and ask the right questions. But sorry, I'm sidetracking. No, so yeah, um, and and I think you know, like this year, the McDonald's game was great. Um, you know, we had uh, Olivia Nelson Adoto, yep, uh, slam dunk. You know, she she was in the slam dunk contest, almost beat Zion Williamson. And so those moments too, I look at to say, um, wow, something's changing. You can you can watch the evolution of the game growing right before your eyes. Mm -hmm. Those are moments you can't take away. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that's pretty cool, especially that you get to do both. Uh, it's starting to become a little bit more prevalent. I mean, you do both men and women, um, you know, Debbie Antonelli kind of famously does both. You look at a Carol Lawson, who's the main analyst for the Washington wizards. It's, it's pretty cool to see now where it's not, you know, it used to be if you heard a woman during a men's game, you went, whoa, you're, you know, your ears kind of perked up. And now it's just kind of becoming the norm. Um, what kind of changes have you seen in that regard um, since you've gotten into the field is just in terms of as, as a female broadcaster in a male dominant industry, what kind of changes have you seen since you'd entered to now? I think you, you hit on it well. You know, it's, it's becoming more common. It's becoming the norm. And and that's that's what we want to see. You know, that's what equality is all about. And basketball, it's one game. Um, you know, there, there are few differences and becoming, you know, less as, as the athletes just continue to train harder and, and get better. Um, so I think what we're seeing is the level of respect outside of the basketball family um the 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 guys who are just traveling you know through airports and and watching games and listening to a woman's voice and not um not freaking out by that you know it's they're they're actually like okay this is who's calling the game or what game is this you know it's, sure. it's it doesn't have to be such a a jarring thing um to hear a woman on a men's game um We've heard men on women's games <laughs> yeah, forever, yes, yes. so it's you know it's, it's it's time, it's time. And I look at um, 
you know, my personal mentor who I, who I kind of watch and try to learn from. And, uh, I mean, Doris, you know, she's the best. Oh, man. Um, she's the best. And she breaks down a game. She humanizes every moment. She's authentic. She's, she's brilliant. And, and she's a leader for, for my, you know, women like myself to look at and say, wow, not only is it possible to call the NBA games, but it's possible to be in the NBA final. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's funny because this year in, in particular, I, I saw more just, you know, as you're on Twitter during games, I saw more people clamoring. Where is Doris? Put Doris at the table than I ever seen. And I was like, yes, give me Doris. And that's no disrespect to who, who was there. But it was it was pretty cool to see where it's like not only was is she accepted, like people they're like, give us Doris. And it's great. Wearing a sweatshirt with <laughs> I'm he's, so jealous he's, of that he's, sweatshirt. He's done all right, yeah. But that is a moment. Yeah, absolutely. For you, um, outside of just your basketball stuff, um, one thing that you you are very passionate, I think passionate is a fair word to use, um, is about fashion and about shoes in particular. And you this year have been doing a lot of stuff with WNBA kicks, which is kind of taken off out of nowhere where they're just, they pop on Twitter and they're posting old videos and old commercials of WNBA players. And then they've got this whole, this whole movement going where people are showing off their shoes and stuff. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got involved with them? And then, I mean, that's how you and I met. We were, we were in Chicago at a game and you were, you were doing some work for them, but just tell us about how fun and enjoyable that's been for you. Cause I know it has been. Yeah, it's been pretty awesome. Um, and as a kid who was like begging my mom to get a pair of Jordans in fifth grade, <laughs> I, I think that's where it started. And, uh, and the progression of you know, getting one pair of shoes in college with one t-shirt and looking at my coach, like this is it. <laughs> you know, he said, when you start winning games, we'll get more stuff. I said, okay, oh, that's, you know, that's great motivation. Um, but the WNBA kicks is doing a incredible job of not only, not only showing off shoes and, and fashion and what the ladies are wearing after the game, but they are tying in the first generation to now they're tying in, uh, dads and daughters. We're getting, um, everybody doing the WNBA kicks challenge. So, Bria Janelle, who is behind the, the account, um, she and her business partner, partner Mel, started this, um, I, I believe, early this, this year. And we connected. Um, Bria came up to me after the McDonald's game, which was in Atlanta. And I think she complimented the shoes I was wearing. And so I was just like, okay, cool. Thank you so much. And we, we connected again uh, about a month or two later. And she, she had mentioned, you know, I have this, um, you know, this business that I started with my, my business partner, and we, you know, we want to show and cover a brand new side of the WNBA. And so, um, you know, I was with it as soon as she said, you know, WNBA <laughs> kicks. And it was just trying to figure out, you know, how, how we can do that and, and what that looks like. Um, so what they've done, like you said, the old commercials, you know what what everybody's wearing this week you've got fans and you know there were people there were people asking me to take their you know get, get a, a kick video of them at the sky games every time i would go back so it really caught on and the work that they're doing has been phenomenal um 
I've been lucky enough to cover uh, both, kind of do like a preseason countdown with them. We shot that. And then uh, I've been covering some of the Sky games and just, you know, getting sneaker videos and, and seeing what they're wearing after the game. And the coolest part about it, Blake, is that after this account got started on Instagram and Twitter, and where it's at now, I think they're, they're over a million impressions a month. So you talk about growth. Yeah. That is absolutely incredible. And you're seeing, um, you know, ESPNW do a lot more segments on sneakers. You're seeing the WNBA account do, do all kinds of photos, like kick for the week type thing, you know, yep. very similar. And, and I think every, every bit helps grow the game, especially the women's game. Yep. And to me, this summer is where it's like it has taken off. And the ratings are up, and you've got you know, players who are not afraid to use their voice. Mm-hmm. Um, I just read a great article that Dev Peters wrote about yeah. I'm yep. not going to play a man one on one. I don't need to prove myself. Yep. I mean, it's great. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, Washington Post, if anyone wants to, to check that out, it was great. It's so interesting. I've had this conversation with several people, and I'm glad you said that because I'm like, yes, I agree. I feel like truly this summer it's like, man, the, the tide has, has turned. Like we are getting to a point where it's, you know, one, players are saying enough with the BS. Like we're not going to, you know, we're not just going to just be here to be here. We're, we're, you know, we're a force to be reckoned with. And then two, it is the different things. It is the kicks. It is the different, you know, I can go find 10 different articles on 10 different topics around Russell Westbrook. But if I go, you know, three years ago, if I try to find, you know, any topics on Candace Parker, it's probably the same old stuff. But now you've got different things where you can look up what did they wear on the orange carpet during All-Star Week? What did they wear on the, you know, what shoes were they wearing after games? You can you can find all these stories and it's like, man, it, it seems, it really does seem like, Hey, we're really approaching this thing and and treating the league as a professional sports league. Exactly, exactly. So, my uh, my thoughts on the casual fan or the the critic who says, you know, you're not you're not the NBA. Um, you're not filling up every single arena every every night. Um, you're not the first story on Sports Center. Well. The, the league is still relatively new, especially compared to the NBA. Mm-hmm. And I went back and, and read up a little bit on the NBA and its, its history, and th- there were times where they thought the league was going to fail, you know, especially right in the beginning. And so the WNBA, um, I would love to see more coverage, honestly, and, and you know, more time on Sports Center dedicated to the games every single night, especially the All Star games, especially you know some moments where we can get to see, uh, you know. What, what they're wearing, just like they do in the NBA game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think there's there's a real space for that. And so my my thoughts are, it's not the player's job to put people in the seat. The players, they work on the floor. That They are professional basketball players, and they do their job extremely damn well. Mm-hmm. And they're the best athletes in the world. Yeah. So to get people to really uh, notice the game more, we've got to show them the game more. Yeah. So that's why I think accounts like WNBA Kicks are so important because it's giving people a brand new perspective um, and and showing them, wow, you know, not only are they talented athletes, but look at the style, look at the, you know, look at the swag, look at the personality, the intelligence, the the other things that these ladies are are involved in, you know, um, social justice, and you're talking about, you know, LGBTQ uh, quality rights, everything that, that really matters. At when you're done playing the game, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have uh, you've actually said in the in the past that you would love to one day potentially own a WNBA team. Um, and so I can that, that doesn't surprise me, per se. But w- when you look at the league and, and you think about growth and expansion, I'm, I'm now going to put you on the spot. Let's just say someone hands you the keys in five years and says, Brooke, congratulations, you get an expansion team and you get to place it anywhere in the United States that you want. Where are you putting it? Oh, wow. Or or, or Canada. You, I moved out of Chicago, huh? <laughs> yeah, you can't go Chicago. Chicago is taken. Um, we are not doubling up. Mm. Yes. I, and again, I said um, United States, but it, it could be Canada. You know, Toronto, I know it's yeah. clambered before. But yeah, I know. I, that's a, a completely unfair question for me to ask you. And I'm filibustering a little bit right now to give you a couple extra seconds to think. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm putting you here. Mm. Uh, maybe put a team back in Miami. How about that? Okay. All right. I like the, uh, the beach theme is constant through your life. I see. <laughs> right. Right. Maybe get back close to the water. But. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. I, okay, I agree. But yeah. Yeah. That's you know I have a lot of like enormous crazy dreams and and I figure you know might as well might as well put them out there because I you know I remember not ever thinking wow, I, I'm going to work for you know, ESPN one day, so I've already done that, so let's, you know, let's keep on going. I like it. I absolutely respect that. Was there, uh, was there ever a moment, and, bring, and you, thank you for bringing us back to the broadcasting thing, was, was there ever a moment um, in particular that you can pick out that you had like a, oh my gosh moment, I'm working for ESPN, oh my gosh, I'm doing this game at this arena or this team, you know what I mean? Was there ever this moment where you're just like, Wow, I can't believe I'm here doing this thing. Uh, every day, I think about how lucky I am to to do the job that I have, have the job that I have, and to be able to talk about a game that I love. And you know, I don't take one moment for granted. So almost every every moment is is really special because every game is different, and you can tell a, a hundred different stories. So it's not a it's not a freak out moment. It's an appreciative moment, and to really look back and, and be like, "Wow, um, I, I'm I'm almost speechless sometimes to think about uh, you know just wanting something so bad and mm. and being able to get there, and yeah. then you know not taking one second of that for granted because it can be taken away in a second." Yeah, no, that's very true. I'll, I'll give you that. Okay, now I have a very important off-topic uh, conversation that, that we need to have. Um, you have mentioned before in the past as well that you are a big fan of breakfast for dinner. And um, I, too, am a big fan of breakfast for dinner. And so I guess I, I, if you have the number one pick in the breakfast for dinner draft, what food are you taking first? Mm, that's an easy one. I'm obsessed with hash browns. Not oh. breakfast potatoes, okay? Not, no, not no, the no. cut up cube potatoes that oh. I think were served last night, but they just had leftovers. That's how I see <laughs> breakfast potatoes. Gotta be hash browns, number one. Crispy, right? They've gotta be crispy. Uh, no, they don't have to be crispy. They oh. a little bit on the outside, but on the inside, they're nice and fluffy. Um, I'm, I'm with it. Okay. But I like mine with. Um, just load them up like I like onions in it and yeah. vegetables yeah. Uh, get those spinach tomatoes in there 
Gotta hook it up. Okay, I respect that. Um, <laughs> listen, we're 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 about to. Uh, I'm, uh, again, I'm. This is this is my podcast, and you're on it, so you have to roll with this. We're we're having a we're gonna have a four round uh, breakfast food draft. Okay. Um, I get. Right. I just gave you the first pick, so you're taking hash browns. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I am going. I get. I get two picks in a row, right? Because we're doing a snake draft. So I am going to take. All right, all right. Um, I'm gonna take chicken and waffles. Um, those will be my two picks, both fried chicken and waffles, because they can be enjoyed together or separately. <laughs> okay, so I like it. Yeah, I so, like it. so now um, you you have two picks now. Now I have two picks. Yep. Okay. All right. Um, well, I mean, obviously I'm gonna go with something sweet. Yep. After I go to the hash brown, hash brown. So, so how about pancakes? Oh and, man, I want pancakes. Mm, um. You got a lot of carbs right now. I know, but I, I I'm at the, at the moment I'm still not eating the meat, so I'm sticking away from like the bacon or the eggs or anything. That that would be my go-to answer. Wait, you're not eating meat right now? Be, no, I I've I've been and I I don't want to say like it's just going to be my life, but for the last year I've been vegan. Oh um, wow! So normally, yes, I go with the omelet and hash browns and probably some bacon. And some toast with a lot of butter for breakfast, but you know, <laughs> this is gonna be so boring. Yeah, man. I would get an avocado. You you're picking avocado? Yeah. Wow. Yes, yeah, I you're am. you're playing hurt right now. This <laughs> you weren't injured in this draft. We should have handicapped this. Yeah. Okay. Um man, that's tough. So I got chicken waffles. Um I guess I will just take the omelet since it's sitting there and then I'm gonna take a a uh, yogurt parfait. Mm, yeah, okay. that's good. You. And then, thank, I like it. Thank you. And now, so you got one more pick. All right. What do you? What's left? I you mean, got the waffles. I take the pancakes. Uh, um, I guess you could take like orange egg. juice. Uh, that that is an oversight. I just realized I have nothing to drink with my breakfast. Yeah, well, wait, we're missing one of the most important things. Coffee. Coffee. Yeah, coffee. Yep, I knew it. What a, what a fool I am. I got confident. I got over, I got overconfident. I got overconfident when you said vegan. I took you for granted. Yeah, well, you know, it, that kind of limits, limits the options a little bit, but um, whatever, if somebody's got a, a vegan omelet that they think tastes like eggs, like, I have been on the hunt for that for now a year. I can't find it, so if you're listening and you got a restaurant... Hit me up, please. Yeah, there you go. Okay, so your your breakfast is you've got pancakes, loaded up hash browns, avocado and coffee, and I've got chicken and waffles, omelets, and a yogurt parfait. So the thing is, although mine sounds very delicious, you after you eat mine, you're going to be unable to move, whereas you could still have like an active, healthy rest of your day. So I, we'll call that one a push. I think that's fair. That's fair. Okay. Okay. Good talk. Good. Good job. Way to roll with that. Good job, Brooke. All right. Uh, I do want I do want to give you an opportunity to talk about your nonprofit a little bit. So I'm just going to float that out there and move out of the way and just um, tell the people about it. Great. Well, thank you for that. Um, so it's called Skills and Score, and what we do is uh, we put on free sports camps for Chicago public school students. And we were fortunate enough to do a tennis camp earlier this year in June, and we have a basketball camp coming up. Um, August 15th and 16th. 
so it's great. You know, we uh, pretty much at, at both camps, um, you know, we try to, to focus on the fun part of fundamentals because there's a lot of, uh, a lot of games, you know, you can play AAU and, and um, you know, not all the time be able to, like, work on your skills. Um, so the point of it is even if, you know, you've never picked up a tennis racket, you've never been in a basketball gym, you know, come out. And by the end of the day, you're going to be better. And, and that's, to me, you know, being able to just build, even if it's a little bit of confidence or just show somebody uh, a new skill or um, just take, take an opportunity to create an environment where all kinds of, of different activities are going on and you've got a gym full of kids that are having fun, there's music, there's lunch, and it's like, man, let's just let's go back to having fun and, and learning about the game and being together. So mm-hmm. it's been really rewarding and I've had a lot of great, uh, great people jump on board to help out. Um, and and uh, like I said, the camp's coming up August 15th and 16th. So if there's anybody out there that's got a Chicago Public School student, 9 to 18, sign up at skillsandscore.com. Perfect. Well done. Um, if people want to follow you, um, whether it be Instagram, Twitter, whatever, um, where can they where can they find you? So on Twitter, it's at Brooke Life Road. On Instagram, it's at Brooke dot Life Road, and this is pretty much my main channel. So either one of those is great, and um, you can also follow WNBA Kicks because I pop up there every now and then. Nice plug. Well done. Excellent dismount by you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, cool. Well, Brooke, certainly appreciate you uh, spending some time with me today and, and talking to us a little bit. And um, you know, plenty of people will be will be seeing and hearing you, uh, especially this fall and during basketball season. But um, really enjoyed talking to you today. Thanks, Blake. Yeah, this is this is great. And uh, you know, I support how much you you're out there in the women's game. You're you're very involved, and you have that same belief that you know we're all one game and. You're, you're doing an awesome job storytelling and getting to the real personalities of people. So I definitely commend you for that. Keep it up. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. You hear that, everybody? That means if you don't subscribe, you better subscribe and give me top ratings because Brooke just, I mean, come on, Brooke just said so. All right? So. Oh, my man, please. <laughs> yes. No, well, I appreciate the kind words for sure and uh, look forward to seeing you down the road. All right, Blake. Sounds good. Big thank you again to ESPN College basketball analyst Brooke Weisbrod for joining me here today. Brooke is the first of several women's college basketball and WNBA broadcasters that we're going to highlight here over the next few weeks. If you don't know how to spell Brooke's last name, it's W-E-I-S-B-R-O-D. So go ahead and follow her on all those social media accounts. If you don't, You can subscribe to The Jump Around on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever else you listen to podcasts, and if you could give it a great review, that certainly helps. As always, you can find me on Twitter, at Blake Dudonis, and as always, I appreciate you listening. This is The Jump Around. I'm Blake Dudonis.